So this week, um, you know, we plan our sermon series out weeks ahead of time. And uh, so this was the, the sermon that was planned for this week. Uh, we titled it Really Love People. It has a lot to do with forgiveness, uh, mainly. And uh, had no idea when we set this up that this would be the week we would be having. So there's some things I've, I've thought about and played with with this. There's some things that I think it still speaks to us. Um, I'm a processor. It takes me a while to think through, feel through things. And um, so, you know, I've, I've told people all weekend long this year, you're just hearing me think out loud uh, as we move through this and talk about all these things this week. Um, but I think um, all of us have wrestled with it as we've gone through the week and we've all struggled with the events of the week. Uh, partway through the week, my, my friend, uh, Reverend Colleen Haley, posted up a, a little reminder and she said, uh, you know, remember that, uh, as Paul says in Romans 8, uh, we don't always know how to pray as we ought, uh, but in those times the Spirit intercedes, with, uh, intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. And so uh, I've kind of prayed into that this week because I haven't really known what are the right words you say in a time like this. Um, so I've just asked the Spirit to hear, you know, the, the hurt and the pain, the anger, uh, the fear, the, all the emotions that are in the middle of this, um, I had both my granddaughters at my house Thursday night and uh, was enjoying that, and yet at the same time just, just aching uh, for the folks in Uvalde and, and all that they are going through in this time, and just praying God to, to come and surround them uh, in that moment and in that time, and don't know the words, I just know that God is with us, and I pray for God just to, to come and intercede for them with those sighs too deep for words because uh, only in the Spirit's presence do we find healing. So bear with me as we move through this this morning and do this uh, and, and talk about this and pray about this. Let's, uh, let's be in prayer. So Father, we come uh, after a week that is so heavy um, and our hearts are hurting and our, and our minds are reeling and we know as, as much as we are struggling, we, we cannot even begin to imagine what it is like to be in Uvalde this morning. So we just ask your spirit to come and, and intercede for us, but even more so to intercede for our brothers and sisters with those sighs that are too deep for words. Be present with us and let the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So as we talked about this uh, this week and talking about going into this, uh, talking about forgiveness really behind this this week, when we've done surveys on the congregation over the years about things that people would want us to preach about, the, the one thing that always, 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 always is, is the top thing is forgiveness, which tells me we, we have trouble with it and we struggle with it. Matter of fact, we did a whole sermon series on it a few years back called The Forgiveness Project, which went into a lot of detail kind of on the whole concept of forgiveness. And this morning, this is really just kind of a light touch on that compared to that, that series. But, but one of the key things I want to remind you of out of that was uh, a teaching that uh, my wife and I heard Dr. Barkus Moore do a number of years ago. Uh, and Barkus was talking about forgiveness, and he says, you know, the problem is we try to forgive too quickly and too easily. And forgiveness is a process that we have to work our way through. So I'm just going to remind you as you're struggling with things right now, um, you're going to hear things this morning. It's going to make it sound like it's real easy and simple. It's not. 
and, and be gracious with yourself and those around you uh, as we move through this week. Um, I was going to start this this week, uh, just a, a real simple little quick story. When I moved to Corpus many years ago, uh, the first school I went to, I was a kid coming from the country, and I was in a, a more city school, and there was a group of kids there that, you know, I kind of stood out, and they, uh, they basically harassed and bullied me through the school year that year, and, uh, and nobody took it very seriously until I had to go to the ER and get stitches one time, uh, and then it became a little more noticeable, uh, but the year after that, we, we moved to a different house. We, my parents bought a home finally, and we moved into that home, and it took me to a different school, and so for the next two years, uh, I was in a different school than, than the one I had started off with when we moved to Corpus. And then when I came time to go to middle school, junior high school as we called it back then, um, both of those two elementaries fed into the junior high school I went. And about, I think maybe the second week, first or second week I was at junior high school, I saw one of the kids who had been the ringleader way back when, three years before, uh, in that group that had made my life so miserable. And, and before I even knew it, I had sucker punched him. I laid him out cold. Uh, I got in a lot of trouble for that, which I should have, which was appropriate. But, but what shocked me was, I, I, I'm not sure if I was more surprised or he was more surprised that it happened uh, because I, I didn't think about it. I didn't say, hey, there's that guy. I mean, it was, it was like it just happened, like a reflex almost. And what it made me aware of is, is that, you know, we, we can carry stuff inside of us sometimes that we're almost unaware of that can have devastating effects on us and on the people around us. I thought about this that this week. I, you know, all, we were watching all this stuff and, and reading all these stories and everything. And I thought, you know, this, this young man that went to the school, I thought, you know, what, what kind of dark place spiritually and emotionally did he have to be in? What kind of dark place did he have to be in? And I, I, I can't even imagine getting to that point. And I, and I hope that none of us ever come close to that. But as we think through it, we have to think and remember that, you know, there's, there's a darkness there. It's, it's almost like a little piece of hell reached out and grabbed part of you, Valdi. Years ago, I used a, a saying. It's attributed to Buddha. I, I, I don't know that it really comes from him, but uh, it's uh, holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Uh, the damaging effects of, of holding things and, and holding on to a desire for revenge and resentment and anger and pain. And, and you know, as we go through this week, I know that that's, for some of us, that's, that's a real struggle. It's really hard for us to let go of those feelings. Uh, I'm going to remind you, uh, this is from uh, Karen Swartz at Johns Hopkins, and she talks about the effect of that on us. She said, there is an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed. Chronic anger puts you into flight or fight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels, 
leading to improved health. And a little later, she defines forgiveness as an active process in which you make a conscious decision to let go of negative feelings, whether the person deserves it or not. Whether the person deserves it or not. And you know, that all sounds so easy, but it's not, is it? Right? I just want to remind you that all, all this morning that you know, things are going to sound easy, but they're not. And, and Jesus has a teaching that he gives to his disciples about forgiveness in Matthew's uh, gospel in the 18th chapter. Uh, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now that was at that time kind of the rabbinic teaching on this, that you were supposed to forgive up to seven times. And then the eighth time you could clobber them. I mean, so that's kind of, but, 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 but what Jesus says is, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, for those of you who are math challenged, that's 490 times. That's more than once a day, every day for a year. That's a lot of forgiveness to pour out. That's a lot of forgiveness to pour out. And yet when he teaches this, he knows full well that, that, that unless we do that, we just, we just keep this cycle of resentment and revenge going. And eventually it, it destroys us and the people around us. And Paul, Paul reminds us that the first liberating truth about forgiveness is that it frees us from that. I mean, it sets us free from the destruction of ourselves and those around us. And he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and, and anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I mean, it, it sets us free of this emotional prison that we can put ourselves into and the damage that it does to us. And, and I'm listening as we are talking, and we are talking about these events this week, you know, and hearing people back and forth, and I, I'm hearing so much anger and so much fear and so much hurt and so much frustration, and, and I'm knowing that, you know, we're all looking for easy, simple answers or we're looking for someone to blame. And none of that. None of that helps us or the people around us or the people in Uvalde. The second liberating truth is humility. In Luke's gospel, uh, Jesus is at dinner at Simon the Pharisee's house, and he turned toward the woman who was washing his feet and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. But she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell, her, tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The lesson of, of humility, of, of remembering before we get on our high horse and decide to pass judgment on somebody else and to seek revenge against them, to remember that we not only need to forgive other people, but there's times that we need to seek forgiveness from other people. 
years ago when we went to Corpus and, and I got up the first Sunday at South Bluff and preached and I looked out there and I realized that in my congregation were the parents of a number of people I grew up with and went to school with. And I knew that I was going to need to go to them and say something along the line of, I, I know you remember how I was in high school when I was young and stupid, like most of us are, you know, but there's a lot of time between then and now, and, and, and I need you to forgive me for the things I did back then, or else we cannot do ministry together. And I had to go to them, and, and, and in all honesty, you know, some of them, it was, it was excruciating to have to go because they remembered too well some of the things I did. And, and I just had to say, yeah, I did that, didn't I? Yeah, I did. I need your forgiveness. I, I, I need your forgiveness. And, and to their eternal credit, every one of them that agreed to sit down with me and talk to me granted me that forgiveness. And the ones who did not want to do that simply refused to meet with me. And there were a few of them. But it was about the most painful three months of my life but it also laid the pathway for us to be able to do ministry together for the next six years um, you have to remember when we talk about forgiveness we always tend to think about how do I forgive someone else but you know sometimes the question is how do how do I ask forgiveness from someone else because I need that as well the third truth is that there's no negotiating about this. In Matthew's gospel, this is a Jesus teaching the Lord's prayer to his disciples. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. How is it that we can seek forgiveness when we have refused to grant that to someone else as we've been commanded? When we insist on remaining in our own sin and seeking vengeance against someone else? One of the conditions for being able to receive forgiveness is being able to grant forgiveness. And, and this is all subject to an even higher law that Jesus gives us in John 15, which is love each other as I have loved you. Not love each other as you are able. Not love each other as you feel like it. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. I think it's the most difficult command in all of Scripture. It's the highest bar I can think of. And I'm going to tell you right now that you're not going to be able to do this unless you ask and plead for God to share God's love with you. As John's going to say in the first letter of John, we, we can love because God first loved us. It's only when God's love gets poured into us that we're able to love in this way. But, but this is the command that comes to us. And how do we, how do we live into this right now? What does it mean right now to do it? 
I mean, I don't know what the answer to all of this is. I know there's a lot of uh, quick uh, sound bites being thrown out, a lot of quick and easy kind of things. Well, if we would just do this one thing or that one thing. And I don't think any of those is the whole answer. I'm not, I'm not a law uh, enforcement person. I'm not a politician. I don't know what's possible and not possible. But I do know that simple answers don't solve complex problems. And beyond all of the kind of logistical stuff that people are kicking around right now is the bigger question of, of how did this kid fall into this darkness that would allow him to do this? As somebody who's part of the family of Christ, what I know is part of our job in this time is to live out this, even now. As to love as Christ had loved even now. And it may be even more difficult than the easier answers. To somehow be a light that shines in the middle of the darkness. To somehow be able to speak hope in the middle of despair. To somehow bring you know, love and, and uh, joy into the midst of this horror. I know that my brother Steve Payton in Yavali is in the middle of this and wrestling with it. And I, and I hope you'll just hold him and that whole community in your prayers. But that's one of the questions. How, how, can we be, how can we be a light in the middle of so much darkness? Because somehow when, when a little bit of hell leaks into the world we live in, we, we need to be able to come back and proclaim that Christ is still the king. And that that bit of hell doesn't win. I mean, one of the things Don pointed out in a couple of services, Thursday was Ascension Day, the, the day when Christ ascended and ascended at the right hand of God the Father. And he, he still is the king. And even though we may not be able to see all the ins and outs, we need to proclaim that, especially now. Love each other as I have loved you. Maybe the hardest, hardest thing you hear all day and the one thing that is most true all day fourth learning that Alan lifts up is submit to God's will and Isaiah my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Out of 1 Corinthians 13, that wonderful chapter on love. A reminder that you and I are not always going to understand everything. This is just not going to make sense. Sometimes we're just not going to be able to make sense out of things. And there's times that in the middle of that, we're, we're going to get really angry about that. I mean, I don't know about you, but at various times in my life, there have been events and circumstances that have happened when I've found myself really angry with God and wanting to know why and why did this happen this way? And I'm really wanting to yell at God. And I want you to hear, if you need to do that, that's okay. God can handle it. God can handle it. Matter of fact, if you look through the Old Testament, you'll see a lot of, of instances of people arguing and, and you know, kind of getting mad with God on this. It's okay. It's all right to be angry. 
But understand that even when you're angry, God is still going to love you. Which means even when you're angry, you can still love God. Even if you don't understand what's going on. We, we kind of have this deceit that we live with that somehow or another we're supposed to be able to make sense out of everything. And the truth of the matter is sometimes we just can't. And sometimes really all we can do is pray with sighs too deep, too deep for words. You know, oh God, I, I, don't, I don't understand. Oh God, why? And God's okay with you doing that. You can lift those prayers up. I mean, we're going we're gonna to go through this morning, and, and I'm just going to tell you, you're going you're gonna to pray about this. But I hope you don't stop praying over the next several weeks and discerning over the next several weeks. I know we're going to keep talking about this for a while. But as we talk about it and as we struggle with it and we try to figure out, you know, what are things that can be done and, and what can change, you know, remember that, you know, loving even as I've loved you part and your conversations and in your discerning and seeking to understand what does it mean for us to be, uh, you know, the light of Christ even in a time like this. Alan has some specific suggestions in the book about forgiveness and I would suggest to you that you know if you're going to talk about being the light of Christ you know these are good suggestions even now for for being the light of Christ right where you're at not you know not somewhere else around but just being here because you know we don't know you know the people around us you know who who may be on the edge of stepping into that darkness and your grace and your forgiveness that you share with them from Christ might make all the difference for them. So Alan's going to challenge us this week to do a few things. Uh, spend a few minutes considering people you might need to forgive. Someone who's hurt you and makes you seethe with anger. Write their names in your personal journal. Imagine their faces in your mind. Imagine how Christ might extend forgiveness to them. Then ask yourself, how could I hold a grudge when Christ himself offered me his unconditional forgiveness? And then commit to speaking forgiveness to that person. Maybe more than once. Maybe more than once a day for a year. 490 times. Formulate a one-sentence prayer to whisper each time someone hurts you, such as, Lord, teach me to forgive them as you've forgiven me. Consider the people from whom you need to ask for forgiveness and write their names in your journal. Take steps to make amends. And during your 100-day exercise of intentional faith, make this agreement with yourself. When I know I've hurt someone, I will ask forgiveness immediately. When someone has hurt me, I will extend forgiveness, whether or not they ask for it. And at the close of each day, examine your heart and ask, is there anyone I need to forgive or to seek forgiveness from? Simple steps? Yeah, yes. And very hard. But somehow we need to be a community in the midst of this world that 
pours out grace, that pours out forgiveness, that helps bring Christ's light into the darkness, that helps speak hope to those who are despairing, that somehow in the midst of this horror still can proclaim the goodness of God. My friends, we're not going to be able to do that unless we are intentional about our faith and inviting the love of God to be in us and to move through us. Let's pray. So God, we come. And we don't know the words that we ought to pray. So we ask your spirit to intercede for us with sighs too deep for words. Hear our anger. Hear our hurt. Hear our fear and our horror. Hear our frustration with this. And, and, and more than praying for us with sighs too deep for words, pray for our brothers and sisters in Uvalde. We cannot even imagine the pain that they are walking through in this time. So come and surround them in the presence of your spirit. Intercede for them. Lift up their pain and their struggles and their horror and their anger in the presence of your spirit. And bring a spirit of healing to them, even in this time. Bring a light to shine in the midst of their darkness. Give them a hope, even in the midst of this horror. Allow them to, to move through this as painful as it is, knowing your presence with them and your love surrounding them. We come this morning and we ask that you hear our prayers as we lift them up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.